1: Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Judy Cho. And we were kind of discussing what we wanted to talk about, so I posed the question to my locals community and just kind of said, you know, what are some topics that you'd like to have us talk about lately? Um, so we got some good ideas for future episodes, but one of the questions that we wanted to address today, and we've actually been meeting to get into a recap on hormones We did an episode on hormones maybe a year ago now. First of all, can you believe we've been doing this podcast that long? (laughs) This is like episode 70-something. I I think we started April. Yeah, it's been like a year and a half now. now, It's crazy. We have to do like some big party or maybe we'll do a gathering for 100 episodes or something.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Um, So we
1: did an episode on hormones a while ago, but because it's been so long, I think we wanted to revisit it. The question that I got in Locals um, was... Somebody said, wondering if you have talked about how carnivore has ever helped with libido, sexual health in women. I know that's sort of a personal subject, but it's definitely an important one. Um, you know, we don't mind getting a little personal around here, I think. So we want to talk about hormones in general. Maybe, I mean, probably obviously more for women just because of the fact that we are women. Um When my husband Chris joined us a few weeks ago on that episode, when we were talking about the differences of men and women, Um, Chris talked a lot about his differences in his hormones as a man since being um, carnivore. And then also as a side note too, before we get into it, um, Danny Vega posted a video, a clip from an interview that he did this week, just talking about like um, men and erections and hormone health and like what that is an indicator for and, and kind of how that is a measurement of your health. So I thought that was a really important video. If you go on Instagram and check out Danny Vega, you can see kind of like a men's hormone erection discussion. Judy and I are not real experts on that one. <laughs> um, and so we, we do want to talk about hormones, thyroid. I will try to be as mature as possible. Um, Since I got the word erections out of the way already, I think we're good to go moving forward, keeping the professionalism.
0: Yeah. And I want to just take this a step back to really understand how the entire hormone function in our bodies work. And it's really what we call the endocrine system. And that's all things related to hormone health. And in that whole system, it includes your thyroid and it includes your adrenals and It even includes a little bit of your gut function. And
1: that like your endocrine system has to do with stress. Like I always hear people talking about their endocrine system when they're talking about dealing with a lot of stress. Is that kind of the same thing?
0: Yeah. So your endocrine system includes your adrenals and that's why there's all that adrenal fatigue or adrenal imbalances or my cortisol shot. And that's why I don't have energy and a lot of the information out there is correct, but it's very piecemealed. So people think when I think of my energy levels or my adrenal function, I don't think about thyroid, but they're all intertwined. And that's where I think it's so important to talk about the entire endocrine system, because it even impacts your blood sugar and your blood sugar imbalance. And I honestly think that our diet is what really impacts our entire endocrine system. And so I'd like to sort of give an explanation as to what the endocrine cascade is. And before you do that, can I ask you a really stupid question?
1: I hear people talk about like adrenal fatigue and adrenals and endocrine and all these different things, but like, what exactly are your adrenals? (laughs) What do they do? Like they're different than your thyroid, but they're all kind of connected. So what does your adrenals do? And like, is it an actual thing or like a location in your body? (laughs) Does that sound stupid? Like your thyroid is like an actual
0: lump. Like what's the adrenals? So it's a gland. Okay. So, and the <laughs> gland produces hormones. And so it's part of the, what I like to just say is instead of all the nuances of what does the thyroid do? What does the um, adrenal glands do? And what does um, even the sex organs do? It, the really important thing is think of it all as this orchestra. And, and then there's a conductor that sort of manages, okay. So um, adrenals, I need you to release your cortisol, the cortisol hormone, or a uh, thyroid, I need you to release certain thyroid hormones. And there's different parts of the body that will release certain hormones. And that's why we have, for example, our parathyroid hormone that releases or signals some of the release of the thyroid. And the reason why we talk about adrenals so much in the uh, gland itself is because the adrenals are really big in releasing cortisol. Does that make sense? Yeah, and cortisol
1: is like deals with your stress hormones and stuff. So,
0: yes, I love a good analogy. So, I love the orchestra
1: uh, conductor mentality. And so, if your diet's out of whack, if you're unhealthy and you're having these adrenal issues, it's like that conductor is drunk and he's just like throwing people up and down in the wrong direction and you're too loud and like he's kind of all over the place and he's not conducting properly for everything to sound pleasant or for you to be healthy.
0: Is that accurate? Um, Well, there's some, so there's a lot of things. So it could be that the conductors imbalance and usually the conductor is probably your thyroid. So that's one of the main conductors, but it can also be that the individual areas are just overly taxed. So the obviously our adrenals overly producing cortisol can cause an impact. And so even if the conductors in good shape and saying, Hey, adrenals release cortisol, if cortisol is being inundated with yes, it's supposed to manage stress, but it's also the second lever that's used when you have blood sugar imbalances. So imagine you're constantly eating a ton of sugar and your blood sugar is imbalanced, you're almost type two diabetic. And so the way that your body's balancing that blood sugar is using an emergency service as cortisol. So now cortisol can't do the everything else it's supposed to be doing, like managing your stressors or giving some of the cholesterol raw materials to then support your um, your sex hormones so it's that every single person or individual thing in your endocrine system needs to function well so that everything is in harmony and and in synchrony if that makes sense yeah absolutely that that helps a lot what I really want to drive home with this whole endocrine system is our bodies really really need to make sure that our blood sugar is super super balanced our blood sugar has five liters of blood at any given time in our bodies. And the difference between somebody that's has normal blood sugar at 80 milligrams per deciliter versus someone that's diabetic, which is 120 milligrams per deciliter, that's a 40 milligram per deciliter gap. And you're talking about
1: the measuring that is like, if I poked my finger right now, and the number that I get, that's the 80 and the 120 that you're talking about.
0: Yes. And that difference of the 40 milligrams per deciliter is less than a quarter teaspoon of sugar in your blood. That's the difference. That's how small it is. And when our bodies start becoming dysregulated with our blood sugar balance, at first it's insulin that's trying to balance our blood sugar. But when we, for example, are sleeping and we haven't eaten in a while, but throughout the day, we're just grazing all day long and our insulin's just really wonky. When we go to sleep, And then all of a sudden, we wake up in the middle of the night wide awake, and then we can't go back to bed. It's usually because we released a little bit of cortisol. And that happens because our blood sugar starts dropping super low. And our brain is basically um, telling our adrenals, oh, no, release cortisol because this person's blood sugar is dropping and they're going to die. And so cortisol gets released to increase our blood sugar levels. and But cortisol is normally used to like run away from an animal. And so that's where... Our endocrine system, when we keep eating high carb and constantly tapping on our blood sugar balance and then insulin, and then having the emergency of cortisol to be constantly used, then our entire endocrine system starts malfunctioning.
1: And I think too, your body doesn't realize it's going to react in the same way, whether you're eating organic raw honey from your local farmer, whether you're eating fruit picked from a special local tree, or whether you're eating actual cane sugar, or whether you're eating Twizzlers that are made with high fructose corn syrup, like your body, it's sugar, like sugar is sugar in the way that it's impacting you um, and your body.
0: Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're eating grains. It doesn't matter if you're eating... I mean, really high quality quinoa or alcohol, all of these things end up breaking down into some type of sugar, and they look exactly the same to the body. And of course, if you're eating poor quality products, there will be additives and other things that can impact your liver and toxicity levels. But when it comes to blood sugar, it does not matter. All carbohydrates end up becoming carbohydrates or sugars in the body. So over time, what ends up happening is if you think of the endocrine system as a whole, our bodies will always prioritize what will allow us to survive the next day. So that's why blood sugar balance is the number one thing that your body will likely uh, try to prioritize in terms of your entire endocrine system. And so once all of our endocrine system is now functioning to just balance our blood sugar levels and to balance our cortisol to be produced to then balance our blood sugar levels. Well, there goes our adrenals that now are producing that much cortisol. From there, it's uh, impacts your pituitary and your thyroid and then your sex hormone. So that's where all of this is like a cascading event, think about a waterfall, the top of the waterfall is that blood sugar imbalance. And then it's your adrenals that are producing the cortisol. And then from all there, when you don't have any more raw substrates of maybe you're not eating enough fat for the cholesterol, which produces all of these things I'm mentioning, or it's that you're using everything to produce the cortisol to help the blood sugar balance, well, then there's not much left for your thyroid and your sex hormones, and your body will make the best decision that will allow you to survive today. And your body doesn't care if you have no more hair, doesn't care if you're cold, doesn't care if you can't make a baby, because those things are not required for you to survive today.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what those are good indicators. I mean, you know, sometimes we rely everything based on blood work, but we know that with carnivore, like sometimes blood work isn't necessarily a a one for one, like it's not the same correlation as if you're eating a standard diet. And so, you know, there are a lot of other things that these signs that Judy just mentioned, right? Like if you have good hair health, that means that your hormones are probably doing well. If you're having, if you're a woman and you're having regular cycles, um, or if you're not having big mood swings, those types of things are a sign of regular hormone health, um, proper sleep energy. You know, those are things that are going to be good indicators along with, you know, knowing what your blood work is can be helpful, but even without testing for that blood work, there's a lot of things that can indicate whether or not you have good hormone health.
0: Right. And the way that the nutrition becomes so important is not just, okay, well, the answer then is I just need to stop eating all this sugar and then my blood sugar will be balanced. But that's not entirely true itself. So one, if you undereat, you're likely going to have um, sleep issues. And then if you have sleep issues, there's so many studies that show that you start with higher blood sugar in the morning and then higher outputs of cortisol needs. And so that gets impacted but if you think about every single thing that we do in our bodies, it requires raw nutrients. So it, it's a cost to make cortisol. I know that the adrenals, for example, love salt they love B vitamins, there's a slew of other things that they need, and they need a lot of minerals. So imagine that you're eating very subpar calories, or you're eating poor quality foods, if you're eating that type of food, well, what raw materials do your adrenals even have to start producing that cortisol. And again, that's how when people start under eating, that also impacts your entire endocrine system. Because again, your body is going to do everything it can to produce cortisol. And cortisol is not cheap to make.
1: Yeah, and that's where your body's going to start shedding these other functions. Like you said, it doesn't want to have a baby because of the fact that it doesn't think you're going to feed it enough nutrients. And so you stop having a cycle. Or like you said, your hair is not an important function for life. And so all of a sudden you start losing your hair. And I mean, I, hair, I, a lot of people, myself included, I shed hair pretty. Easily with any big change that happens in my body. After right. both my kids, I lost a lot of hair. I went vegan years ago, and I lost a lot of hair. I lost hundred pounds very quickly, and I lost a lot of hair. Right, like just my anytime your body is going through any huge change, um, and in each big change in a diet, people. That's why after COVID, a lot of people are losing hair after COVID because your body is right. responding to this like big change, this big traumatic event, um, and you're losing a lot of hair because of it. And so that. For some people like me, especially like that can, um, that happens easily.
0: If we understand that the entire endocrine system works together, which basically has your thyroid, your adrenals, it has your duodenum, which is part of your small intestine. And so we want all of these parts to own their parts and do their parts well. But on top of that, we need to make sure that we're eating the right foods and the right amounts in order to ensure that we're giving them the raw materials, then produce the sex hormones, the thyroid um, hormones, and then even our gut function to be well. So I'd like to talk about how, I guess how some of the, why carnivore will improve your hormone function and even thyroid function, even though there's a lot of noise out there that says that it doesn't. And then also how, what certain nutrients, I guess we do need in terms of um, this whole entire endocrine system to thrive.
1: Yeah, great. That's good. I think that's part of the question. And then also just like Somewhere in here too, explaining like what does this, like the whole system is what we're talking about. And then I want to break down like your sex hormones specifically, because I do think like not only as we age, as our bodies go through big changes, as our diet's going through a big change, as our digestive system goes through a big change, like desire and interest and hormone levels for sex all can be very much impacted by that.
0: I talk about steroid hormones a lot, and that's really where all of the sex hormones are. Um, all steroid hormones are produced through cholesterol. There's some amount of cholesterol that we do produce in our body. But if you think about our modern diet, our modern lifestyle, we are tapping into cortisol a lot more. And if we remember that cortisol is expensive, one way to produce cortisol is through our cholesterol. And the way that the steroid hormone function works is there's many different ways to produce from cholesterol, you would produce then you would produce DHEA, you would produce testosterone, est- estriol to then produce estrogen and progesterone. And there's all these think about these arrows going every which way. But again, if we are stressed, or if we're eating too much sugar, or we're our blood sugars imbalanced, or we're living a very s- stressed lifestyle, or we're under eating, or we're over exercising, all of these things require then more of us to tap into our cortisol to then release more blood sugar so that our blood sugar is stable. And so all of the routes that would normally go to maybe producing DHEA from our cholesterol, uh, producing our testosterone, our progesterone, estrogen, instead, all of it will get routed to again, make cortisol. So the first thing is to make sure that you're eating sufficient fat, um, making sure that you're eating enough I guess saturated fats to produce that cholesterol that would get then routed to all the different sex hormones, also to produce cortisol, but also to regulate our blood sugar to make sure that um, you are in a ketogenic state sometimes, but mostly that you're removing most of the carbs in your diet. And then those things will generally benefit our sex hormones. But the other things is also to make sure that you're eating enough. So if you're not eating enough, again, your blood sugar can get wonky, and that's where then you'll have to tap into your cortisol store. So you want to make sure that you're eating enough to ensure that you have enough nutrients for cortisol. And then the last thing is if you're overly fasting or you're overly exercising, those things also tap into cortisol. So you want to just make sure that you're doing things that will support your body and not doing it in excess. But
1: how do I know if I'm eating enough is a question that we both get on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think the hard thing is, is there's not this set number for everybody like i can't just say this is your height this is your weight this is how many calories you need to eat and it doesn't even really come down to like this is exactly how many calories that you need to eat because you can eating be eating massive amounts of protein but being you're but you're not eating enough fat and so your body's not actually getting the well-rounded nutrients that you need or you're eating so much fat that you're not eating enough protein and calories wise both of those people are eating adequate calories potentially but they're eating the imbalance of ratios, and that makes it hard, right? So the Chris and I watch the TV show alone, okay? And it's this show where they drop people off in this like extremely remote part of Canada, literally alone. They film this, they film it themselves, like selfie style, which is be like my jam, right? <laughs> and then they have to live on the land up to like a hundred days and they're trying to see who can last the longest, and it's snowing and all these miserable things, and they have to hunt for food or whatever. And the number one reason why people end up leaving a lot of times is that they can't get enough fat. I think it's so interesting, like from a carnivore nutritional standpoint to hear all these people talking about making sure that they get enough fat and like how important the fat, they killed a beaver and they were trying to harvest all of the fat from it and ration it. There's this one woman who was like getting nothing but squirrels and rabbits. And she literally was like, this is rabbit starvation. I'm eating nothing but protein. These animals don't have enough fat on them. And so I'm not getting enough fat to sustain my body. And they end up, you know, leaving the show because medically they're unwell or whatever. And then this other woman, I'm very excited about the show, but it's like nutritionally, it's like I geek out on it every time this woman found a piece of seal blubber that had washed up on the shore. It was fresh or whatever, but it literally was just a big, huge chunk of seal fat. And while that was great for her to live on, she also was like drinking fat as her only nutrients. And she's like, I don't have any protein. And then she was having a lot of other issues because she was like, there's such a balance of fat to protein that your body needs. And it's so interesting just to watch this like case study of seeing how this affects people's energy levels and their strength, uh, over time. And so all that to say, people ask constantly and want to know, how do I know if I'm eating enough? How do I know how much to eat? And the answer is just not as simple as I can't just give you a number. I can't give you a ratio. I can't give you a calorie count. of What's going to work for you. There are just too many variables and, I mean I'd love to hear your thoughts on it too but it just takes time being consistent with one thing for a while before you know like
0: if it's working or not uh, so I can give some numbers but before I do so Alone is actually one show that I watched a little of of, and only the first uh, season. So I think there's a second season out, right? Oh no, we're on season eight. I think now season eight just happened. (laughs) And then now
1: there's this new one that just dropped. It's like five episodes, but they're letting people who have done it before go back again. But I just let Penelope, it's one of the few shows like, what do you let kids watch nowadays? There's like a million things that's terrible for kids. So Penelope started watching it all.
0: um, And so we've kind of been going through all the seasons again now as a family. (laughs) That's so cool. So there was one oh, – then I don't know what I watched, but Kevin was watching it, and he's like, you have to watch this episode because I know you'll really like it. And I just remember the guy that won, he – I think he found a buffalo? I, but it was a really large animal. A musk. And then he – oh, was it, okay. it? They looked like and, a big giant – like almost like a big moose or something, yeah. Yes, yes. And he won because – he knew how to ration every single part of that animal and save the fat and even the organs and even all the fat for his, I think it was his gloves or something, but it was, yeah, no, they he, would like take the, they
1: take the fat sometimes and they like rub it into their hands yes, yes. and they take like a piece of gristle and they use it as floss. Like, it's just so fascinating. Right. I love it. <laughs> and like, y- you know, people out there trying to live on berries and twigs and sticks, and there's nobody that's vegetarian out there. Like they just, they yeah. know what they have to have and like what your body needs to survive. It's so fascinating.
0: No, I loved it. I loved that episode specifically that I watched because they yeah, it was very carnivore friendly and they knew so much about nutrition, especially. So he would save, I remember specifically saving the bone marrow as this is like one of the last foods I need a ration because it's so nutrient dense. And yeah. I just remember being so proud of him for saying <laughs> these things on uh, national TV. But so in the research studies, they s- say that 0. 0.4 grams per one pound of ideal weight is sufficient as a carnivore, it is insufficient just because you're saying, sorry, I want to clarify 0.4 grams of protein Protein. per pound of lean body
1: mass, or like ideal body weight, right? Yes. So if a healthy weight for you, if I currently weigh 200 pounds, but a very healthy lean weight for me would be 150, then that would be my pounds of 150. You know, you're saying 0.4 grams of protein per 150 pounds would be like an ideal healthy weight for me.
0: Yes. Yeah, so okay. So let's just use really easy numbers. So yeah. if I weigh to, if I'm supposed to be a hundred pounds, I th- I believe the dietary guidelines recommends about forty grams of protein within a meat a day. Right. I think that's about half a pound of meat. It might be less enough. But it's I'm not way too to low. That's
1: the answer. Okay. Spoiler. Yeah. That's way too low.
0: But they're considering that you're eating carbohydrates and other types of uh, food in your diet and. I would say in the carnivore space plus the bodybuilding space, they recommend about 0.8 grams of protein in a meat for one pound of ideal body weight. So if you weigh 100 pounds, you should be eating about 80 grams of protein a day. And most people, though, even of my clients, they eat about 0.8 grams of protein per ideal body weight to one gram per ideal of protein of per one pound of ideal body weight. So then a 100 pound person would be eating about 80 grams of protein to 100 grams of protein within a meat for their 100 pound body every day, every single day, in order to support your steroid hormones, as we just talked about, and to produce cortisol, we need to make sure that we're also supporting our fat Amounts, right? Because again, if that endocrine system gets wonky and someone's not doing their part, then everything starts to break down a little bit and the music just sounds horrible. And so, if you want to eat 80 grams of protein, ideally, we want to eat about 70% of our total calories as fat. For every gram of protein, that's about four calories. And then a gram of fat is about 10 calories. I think that's about right. Yep. So, given that, the calories add up very quickly uh, when you're eating fat. And so when someone's eating 80 grams of protein, and most people don't weigh 100 pounds, so it's probably even more than, so if you're 150 pounds, that's eating about 120 grams of protein. So when you eat 120 grams of protein, and that's, um, I don't even know how many calories that is, but, and then you're trying to eat 70 to 80% fat, it increases your calories by a lot. But that is what I believe people mostly need in order to feel and start healing a lot of the imbalances they have. So you want to nourish the body a lot with an abundance of fat, an abundance of protein that your endocrine system, wherever there were imbalances and malnourishment, that now they're starting to self-regulate. And with that self-regulation, it takes time to heal. So let's say your adrenals was overly producing cortisol because of your blood sugar dysregulation, your thyroid and your sex hormones aren't really functioning that well. Well, it's going to take time of you overeating more than you've probably ever done with the right meats. And so you may gain some weight initially, but if you want healing, that's probably the honest route you have to go. And if you do that for a while, that's why you start hearing on carnivore diets that people, their sex functioning starts improving. Uh, You hear people having a lot more libido and testosterone markers go up, but only if they're eating sufficient fat and protein. And I think that's where, if you think about a lot of the former carnivores that left and said carnivore ruined my thyroid ruined my testosterone. If you think about all of those people that eat that way, I really think they were under eating the, the fat amounts to an incredible amount. And that is why they started feeling malnourished. And so they started noticing these unhealthy swings. And then when they started adding carbs, they started started gaining a little bit of weight. And that's why I think they feel that they are better, but it's only for the short term.
1: And I think a lot of them, you know, the specific ones, I know a a few were also over exercising as well. And I fell into this trap as well. We know I hate exercise, but also it's because I don't do anything in moderation. So in 2019, I had lost hundred pounds. I was like, I want to lose a little more. I would like to start toning. I have like flabby loose skin everywhere. So maybe I'll start exercising. Well, I went down this path of, I was still fasting quite a bit. I was, um, I could no longer eat. I was still doing OMAD, which was one meal a day, but I couldn't eat as much in one sitting as I used to when I had first started this diet. And I was like, Oh, I can exercise. So I started taking these like super intense workouts, like four or five days a week and doing these like hour long classes at the gym. And so all of those things, I lost like another 20 pounds. I gained a bunch of muscle. Come to find out, I looked back. I looked backwards. I was under eating. I was overexercising and I stopped having my cycle. I was losing a lot of hair at the time. I was also massively under eating protein. I was looking back and I was eating like 50 grams of protein a day. I was exercising like crazy for, again, this very short window. <laughs> and I um, was still fasting too much. And I just was not eating enough calories in a sitting. I was, I looked back at some of my posts. I was eating like a pound of ribeye in a day and then doing these intense workouts. And that was my only meal for the day. So under eating protein, under eating in general, over-exercising, over-fasting, you know, I lost all that weight. My hormones were completely tanked. Right. And I will say this, every recommendation that was given to me on how to fix it was telling me to eat carbs. And
0: that That's was crazy. my only fix could be like, I needed to supplement with hormones and I needed to eat carbs. What's crazy to me is when I worked with my clients, I mean, there's, I mean, I'm human too. So when, when there's several people saying all over the internet, that carnivore ruins your thyroid, there was a split second of me that got worried for my clients of, am I sharing the wrong information? But as I've met with many hundreds of clients and we eat sufficiently where sometimes they even gain a little bit of weight. But granted, these people aren't really overweight, but they get their period back and their hot flashes at night reduce and they start sleeping through the night and maybe they just wake up one time compared to the five times they're waking up. And when I see these levers really healing people, I know that the likelihood of these people that they were probably under eating or they were probably over exercising. And I just wanna give you... Um, a sample day that I just pulled up that I recommend normally to my clients. And I'm not saying to eat these exact foods, but it's just giving you a semblance of what I recommend for most, I would say women, this might be a little bit low for a um, male that has a lot more weight and muscle mass on them. But this is about 1900 calories, it's about 125 grams of protein, and then the fat is only at 73%. So actually, if you were starting with me, I would put the fat a little bit higher than this, which then would increase your calories to probably 2500. But given that, so it would mean about maybe eight ounces of meat in the morning. So this is about ribeye, it says four ounces of ribeye, uh, four ounces of pork belly. And then at lunch, it's about four ounces of ribeye, one egg, two egg yolks and a tablespoon of butter. And then for dinner, it's about another nine ounces of meat that is about four ounces of salmon and then five ounces of pork belly. And that again, comes out to about 125 grams of protein 153 grams of fat, it's about 24 ounces of meat in terms of total, I guess, weight of meat. But that's what you kind of need to heal. And I can promise you that most of my clients are not eating that much when they first start working with yeah. me.
1: And that's what happened to me. I had to switch to two meals a day because I couldn't eat enough. I had to just start eating more. Uh, I had to chill out a little bit on the exercise. I had to take a break. I still do fasting, but I had to lower my frequency of fasting. Right. And I, and it wasn't until I had done that for a couple months and gained about 10, 15 pounds before I actually got my cycle back. And I mean, over the last four years, I, I haven't spent any amount of time in one extreme or the other, as far as like proteins, very modified fast or super high fat, like my fat to protein ratio really has not changed in, it just is what it is. Like it fluctuates day to day, but I haven't ever like tried to hit a specific goal in there, but my hormones have changed based on how much I'm eating when I'm, when I'm not eating enough uh, and when my body wasn't just getting adequate nutrition?
0: I have clients that were eating like the 90% fat. And a lot of the thought is if you eat really high fat, you can fix all your hormones. But they were eating very lower protein, maybe 40 grams of protein, maybe 50 in a day. And they were doing that because that that's supposedly the way that you would fix your hormones. But a lot of those people started working with me because they started eating that way and their hair was all falling out and their thyroid function just dropped. And this is a great segue to the nutrients we need for thyroid function. So remember, the thyroid is part of that endocrine system, it's going to get ignored if your cortisol is high, if you're not eating adequate fat, and you're not supporting that entire process. A lot of our nutrition for thyroid is based on we need proteins to even produce the thyroid hormone, uh, we need iron, iodine, tyrosine, zinc, and a lot of and selenium, vitamin E, and a lot of the B vitamins. So a lot of those are obviously covered in our meats. And we need selenium and zinc to convert T4 to T3, and then there's all these other things. But I think iodine is a big nutrient that's missed in thyroid function, and I've had a few clients where they were diagnosed hyperthyroid at a young age. They started taking iodine, and some of them have to reduce their thyroid medication. The other thing is, I really think thyroid is the true marker of where you're going to see the improvement if you're eating the right way on a carnivore diet. So the thyroid will show if you're eating the right balance of fat and protein, and no one's going to have that right exact answer for you, especially with your medical history. But if your thyroid is, I guess, balanced, the markers look good, because it needs a good blend of fat and protein in order to thrive. And then assuming that you're getting some amount of iodine,
1: Yeah. And I know too, when it comes to your sex hormones, uh, and increasing those, one of the most, the biggest key factors of that is getting, you know, not having your sugar out of whack, not having your cortisol out of whack, getting adequate fat and protein are both crucial elements for your sex hormones and your libido. And also another huge element of it is just frequency. Like it's one of those things that if you don't do it often, you will lose the desire to do it. And it's a funny thing to say, but like, it's just like, you know, when you cut out exercise from your life, you're like, how did I ever make time for this? Like, you're like, it's so hard to get back into the routine of going to the gym and going for a walk and doing those things. You have to schedule it maybe in the beginning and make time for it and plan for it because, one way to increase your estrogen is to have more sex. Like having an orgasm is an estrogen boost in your body. And it's going to help regulate those hormones by having sex more often.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I think it's beyond just sex. I was, that's the only clarification I was going to say. I mean, when you have an orgasm, you release oxytocin and you release all these other feel good hormones. And so for a lot of women, I mean, sometimes not all women orgasm and you have to figure a way to, I guess, if you want to say schedule it in, but you have to figure out how to once in a while orgasm because it will release certain hormones that are super beneficial for you. And I'll link to some studies um, in the notes, but it's super important, not just that you have sex with your counterpart, but also that you are orgasming because it makes a difference in terms of the, I guess, the overall balance of that hormone. I I think that, if you have the sex drive, and yes, you're being consistent with that, and then you are eating sufficient fat and protein, you will show good thyroid function. And, and then in terms of your hormones, if you're, you've are you been amenorrheic, or you haven't been getting your period, or it's uh, really just un- unstable, you just don't know when you'll get it. Or if you're getting so many hot flashes, the, the reason why we get hot flashes as we age is that When when we get older and we no longer are going to have our menstrual cycle, our ovaries give the handoff of producing hormones to our adrenals. So imagine if our adrenals have been overly taxed. Now it's being asked also to take on one more level Mm. of producing hormones from our ovaries. And so that's why people, that transition is why people get the hot flashes because the adrenals are already inundated. And now they're having to take on this extra role and they're just stressed out. But if you had sufficiently... Eaten meat and fats, as well as um, reduce the carbs and reduce your stress, then that transition to menopause should be very should be pretty seamless. And
1: I know a lot of women talk about like losing their sex drive or losing that during menopause, or and maybe this would help to counter uh, to counter that. And if you're getting the adequate nutrition, if you're having those proper hormones health, then um, that might help keep your interest there and and keep your
0: ability to be able to like be intimate at a higher level. I mean, and this is a real talk. I, I know that it's hard to tell people, including myself to say, you've been under eating your whole life. So now you may have to gain a little bit of weight to eat the proper levels and adequate amounts of nutrition. So you can fix your hormones so you can fix your thyroid, but you may be able to get off medication or any exogenous hormones. I'm not the biggest fan of taking exogenous sex hormones because there are risks with cancer. And I have a client that now has cancer and she's been taking 30 years of exogenous hormones. Is it a correlation? I don't know, but it's just, that's the problem. There are no long-term studies on what it means to be taking, uh, exogenous hormones. Yes. There's just a risk of when it's not natural, what does that imply for us? And we just don't know. So I get it. I, I know that to say, well, you may have to gain and assuming that you're not obese, but you may have to gain 10 pounds even though you're trying to lose weight, you may have to gain some weight in order to heal. Or you may have to eat more than you're used to even if you don't feel hungry to heal. And, and then you can start dialing into maybe you have days that you do alternate day fasting. And you can actually do alternate day fasting as long as the days that you refeed is sufficient. But most people don't eat sufficiently when they're refeeding. And so then it exacerbates the thyroid and hormone issues.
1: Yeah, I think that's it. I I know, um, I see it time and time and time again, that most women who are struggling with this way of eating or come here for some kind of healing, they're trying to lose weight, but they're also under eating. And especially women who are like my age, my mom's age, like anywhere in this range, they're, probably dealing with hormones. Cause we're all in this like place in our lives where we're finished having kids and we're like, our bodies are kind of settling into everything and they are under eating and they just say, I'm not hungry. I can't eat anymore, but they're eating under a thousand calories a day. And so now if you're eating all this fat, but you're not getting any protein, like you're going to end up with the same issues. But I will say if someone is thin, but struggling with their hormones, unfortunately the, the realization that they have to gain weight is not worth it. And they would rather take a pill and fix their hormones than worry about gaining weight. But trust me, it is a very emotionally difficult thing for me personally to know that I am now heavier than I was at my thinnest. And I have to stay this way because when I was at my thinnest, my hormones were not great. And I sleep was terrible and my libido was terrible. And my Uh, I wasn't having a period like, and my mood swings were terrible. Like all of these things were terrible, but I was, I looked good or I don't know. I mean, I was skinnier. (laughs) I felt better in my clothes. And so it's a very um, emotional thing to try to wrap your head around and to be okay with.
0: And, and I get it fully. I mean, I have a lot of my clothes that are size zero, double zero, and I cannot fit into them. And I just think, well, maybe magically one day. My hormones will improve so that I can be a size zero and it'll just work out for me. But I think my body wants to be the weight it is. And sure, I have a little bit of pinchable fat, but but I was able to nurse my son for five years. I'm able to have a very consistent period and have normal moods. And so I I think it really comes down to the people listening to really think, am I in it for weight loss or am I in it for healing? Because I think there are. They can be one and the same, but oftentimes, you know, in this modern day world, we have to let go of one to do focus more on the other. We need to focus on one and make sure it's functioning perfectly. If we try to do both, you're going to sort of end up at square one of where you already are. So, are you trying to first focus on weight loss or are you trying to focus on healing? And you could get better at one and then maybe work on the other. But I don't think working on the weight loss first will ever get you to true healing.
1: Because I think that's only gonna perpetuate this roller coaster of, you know, looking for the quick weight loss fix. I have, this is kind of my mantra lately and I've said it on here a lot, but like looking for this quick weight loss fix is only gonna lead you to do something that's so extreme that it's not sustainable for you because number one, it's just not sustainable for the happiness in your life. And then number two, it's not sustainable for your health. And so, yeah, you lost 20 pounds really quick because you followed this extreme method, but then your hormones and your health and your you know lifestyle, it doesn't let you maintain it. And so you go off of it to try to fix something else. Well, now you've gained back 30 pounds. Now you gotta to try to lose weight again. So you're trying to lose that 20 pounds again by doing something else extreme. So six months down the road, you've like gone up and down all of these huge weight gains when if you would have just found this you know, focus on healing first, getting your hormones in a great place, make sure you're eating adequate protein and fat, make sure you're not under eating, like get your cortisol levels fixed, spend a few months doing that. Then once that's fixed, then you can start adding fasting. Then you could start, you know, incorporating, um, more intense exercise, like pulling those other levers that your body is now able to handle because it's in a healthy place. And when you look a year from now, you're going to be at a healthier, better weight. The weight loss will be more long-term because it's sustainable for you. Uh, And all of these things are going to be so much better. And you're going to end up like a year from now. It's hard to think like, oh, I would need to lose 20 pounds. I'm not going to wait a year to do it because somebody else is promising you that you can do it in the next month or two months or whatever. But what's going to happen and what kind of roller coaster are you going to be on? Like, what is what is your life going to look like and your health and your hormones going to look like a year from now if you're just trying to lose that quick weight versus yeah. if you just look at healing your root foundation first, and then you might have lost that 20 pounds six months in, and then now you've maintained
0: it for another six months because you're doing it in a healthier way. Right. So I have a client that's 5'4", and she came to me and she was about 110. So she was very thin. And, and then when she worked with me, her main thing was I have gut issues and I haven't had my period in over a year. I recommended a higher fat version of Carnivore. So for f- her five four, I don't know what the ideal weight is at that height, but whatever that weight is or whatever that amount is, she was eating that plus eating closer to 80% fat. I don't think she got fully to 80%, but I think we're doing 75. And she ate that way. And then within the next few months, she gained weight she kept telling me, I'm I'm trusting the process. I just want my period back. I'm in my late 20s, and I just want to be able to have children one day. But she was very unhappy about her weight gain. And fast forward a year, within that period, I think within a couple months, she got her period, and then it became consistent. And then she had her period every single month, Her, her hair was growing and lots of other things. But she never got over the fact that she gained some of that weight. I think she gained probably 15 to 20 pounds. And it's still a decent weight. But for her, compared to where she was, she was very unhappy. I think it was about a year and a half, maybe two years later, she decided that she's going to add fruit back in her gut issues seemed a little bit better. And and she was still consistent with her period. So I gave her the green light of okay, if you want to try it, that's fine she tried it and, and then it reduced her appetite a little bit, or I'm not entirely sure what exactly happened, but, but she started losing some of the weight. So I think she also reduced her fat with the added carbohydrates. Well, fast forward a few months. So yes, she lost some of the weight again, and was closer to her starting weight. She was still having her period. But all of a sudden, she started seeing a little bit of the cracks in this way of eating. Within a couple months, she got a flare in her gut issues. Some of the gut issues that she had working with me, it all started coming back with this change in her diet. And I told her, you know what, we realized that you weren't ready to switch back to eating a more flexible diet, Um, you probably need a little bit more healing. And so begrudgingly, she still did it, she changed to eat carnivore or meat only in a higher fat version because her, she was in so much pain with her gut and it wasn't worth adding these fruits. And even the weight loss she had, it wasn't worth it compared to eating a way that she was symptom free. All this to say, sometimes we have to pick where we want to be. Is it health, but maybe we're not looking like a model or it's that we try to look like a model, but then we're wondering why our thyroid or sex hormones and our energy is tanking. And it's just this hard conversation we have to have. And I know that I am in a place where I have a loving husband. And so if I have a little extra fat, maybe it's okay. And so that's why I can easily say this. So I get that if I was 20, I don't know if I could be comfortably saying this, but we just have to know that for everything we do, there's consequences to it. And if we constantly under eat, unless you're willing to take, um, exogenous sex hormones, and take thyroid medications for the rest of your life, there is an impact when you start under eating or eating the wrong foods or eating high carbohydrates or having high stress in your life.
1: Yeah. And I think that the first thing that's going to happen is that your hormones get out of whack and then more things are going to start spiraling after that. Like that's the first domino that falls um, for you when you're dealing with all those things, the hair and the sex hormones and your sleep, but then bigger and worse things are going to keep happening. The longer that you under eat and the longer that your hormones are out of whack, the more it's going to affect the rest of your life. Like I know when my hormones were not balanced, I was just a miserable person to be around. My mood swings were terrible. I was cranky all the time. I was was snapping constantly. My sleep was miserable. And like my sleep isn't perfect now. I'm open about that and saying that, but it definitely doesn't affect my mood. And, you know, like just the stress that came along with that. It was absolutely affecting my relationships. It was affecting my relationships with my husband, my enjoyment and like my day-to-day life, all because like I was the thinnest I'd ever been in my life but my hormones were not balanced and it was it was not a fun life to live like it wasn't i had to it was too much stress to maintain that level of fasting it was too much stress to maintain that level of exercise i was cranky and miserable and just not a lot of fun and none of my family <laughs> wanted to be around me at the time and so like was all of that worth it just right. to be a little bit thinner and then compounding had i maintained that anyway what would have happened next? Like what would have been the next domino to fall in my health um, that would have caused me issues after my hormones?
0: Yeah, what's really interesting as I'm just thinking about random clients is that a lot of my clients that are very thin and very fit, they they tend to um, be on thyroid medication. And maybe it's because they've been under eating to be that fit. And or maybe they're just overworking out. I'm not entirely sure. But for everything with our diet and our health, I mean, it's just... Women are naturally supposed to have a little bit of fat because in the excess fat that we store, we carry some of our hormones. And so if you think about women and we are supposed to be the caretaker of children, I think God intended us to have a little bit of fat so that we can take care of our children. And that's why I think women live longer than men on a um, on a typical average. It's because we are supposed to be that person that takes care of ourselves and our our offspring. And maybe it's so you know, our society is very wired to desire the things that are really hard to obtain. And for women, maybe that's why it's so we put such an importance of having this six pack body, where it's so perfect, but I don't know if we were meant to look that way.
1: Yeah. But what's so interesting is that I feel like in culture, like in society right now, mainstream is going the opposite direction where men are still expected to be fit and have six packs, but women are now like obesity is glorified and like plus size. Like if you go to like the American Eagle website, all of the men are shirtless and still have our six packs, but all the women are like you know, plus size. And I love seeing like different clothes on different bodies, but this like being, you know, glorifying obesity for women has gone the other direction, but in the health space, in the carnivore space, in this diet world space, we still are like, you know, driving to be thin, thin, thin versus I have great hormones. I have great sex health, I have great, you know, um, skin health, like all of these things, there is a balance somewhere in the middle. Again, I hate these extremes of like, we don't have to be model thin, but we also don't have to like celebrate, um, and you know, like encourage obesity and unhealthiness because I don't, this this myth of like healthy at any size goes both ways. It goes to, I can't be, I was not healthy at 263 pounds and I was not healthy at 140 pounds. And neither one of those extremes were good for me either. And there, there has to be this balance of like, you know, be finding what is your healthy weight. Cause that's not going to be the same for everybody.
0: Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of obese clients and I mean, they struggle with hot flashes and missing periods and stuff. So it's not like just because you have excess fat on you, you're healthy. You're not at all. It's That's where maybe, I guess it's not just blood work, but even doing the saliva tests and the urine tests for your hormones is really important. But I can assure you that I have a lot of clients with thyroid imbalances and they're overweight. So it's not a... And maybe oh, they're under because. eating
1: still. I do think that Yeah, too. absolutely. There's, it's possible to be overweight and under eating because of your, and you're not hungry because you're dealing with, with, um, thyroid or hormone issues. My problem was never that I was under eating and overweight. (laughs) My problem was that I was overeating, but I do know it is an absolute thing where if you're under eating for too long, your core, you know, metabolism is going to slow down. Um, and your body's going to start shedding other things because you're just not giving it enough food over time.
0: Yeah. I mean, a polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS, um, it's basically diabetes type three for the ovaries. And so if people have that, and they're struggling to have babies, it's not a that goes back to the endocrine system and having too high of blood sugar imbalances, and then cortisol coming in, and there's insulin resistance, and all of that is now impacting the rest of your body. So if we can just if people leave with anything from this conversation, it's just What do we need to balance our endocrine system? How do we make our conductor happy, which arguably it can be the pituitary or the the brain that's um, telling all these different areas to release hormones, or it's all the different factors within the endocrine system. So your adrenals, your thyroid, your sex organs for all of them to function properly, we need to give it adequate nutrition. And then we need to make sure that everyone's owning their own part. And when we eat high sugar, we under eat and we do all these other things that we do in this modern lifestyle, we're gonna eventually have poor endocrine function.
1: Yeah, and you need, the part of that good nutrition is you need adequate protein, you need adequate fat. Both of those things are important for all this. And then beyond that, you need to have proper sleep. Like focusing on sleep is a huge part of it. You need to make sure your body is not overly stressed, whether that's from like life triggers, your job, too much exercise, all of those things. And like, you need to have orgasms. That is a big part of it. It is a part of having healthy hormones is to increase the number of orgasms you have will help increase your estrogen. That was another piece of advice that I was given when I was having low hormones was focus on sleep. And what was the other one? It was like you need to have more – eat, eat steak, fat, Have more get more sleep, and have more sex. And all of those things are going to help increase your
0: uh, hormone levels. Yeah. No, I think that's good. Cool. Is there something that else I should bring up? No, no. I think we did. I think we covered it all. I was going to bring something up, and now I forgot. What? I don't remember. Oh.
1: Well, that's all you get. That's all you get, guys.
0: <laughs> I feel like it was so important, too, <laughs> and I just don't remember. It's, it's really simple. I just think that back in the day, our great, great, great grandmothers were not having conversations about missing periods or unless they were starving because they just didn't have enough food, but they weren't having these hormonal issues. Oh, I do remember now. (laughs) So if you are following all the things that we talked about and, and then it's still not your hormones or your thyroid is still not functioning as ideally as you want. It doesn't mean that you have to biohack all these other things and then add more light or add more XYZ to your, I mean, sun is always important, but it's, it doesn't mean that you need all these other gadgets or specialties. It's just, maybe you still need to dial into the things that we just mentioned.
1: And I think you need to, with this, with everything else, you need to focus on like consistency and time and patience and like your body didn't get out of whack this quickly. And it doesn't, it's do all of those other things. We did that whole episode on biohacking. Like if you want to have morning light grounding time, like enjoy that, that's fine. But like what you need to heal your hormones is time and consistency and adequate nutrition and proper sleep. Like all of these things are important, but just because it's happening doesn't mean it's going to all fix in a month. Um, yeah just because it happened for somebody else that you saw that quickly.
0: Yeah. And I get it. Um, quick fixes look really desirable, but it's a rare, it's a rare breed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: I think that's all we got for today. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys have a wonderful week. Thanks for the support. See you on the flip side.
0: <laughs> we'll talk to you guys later. Bye guys. Thanks for tuning in to the cutting against the grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain.